We want to go back to our lesson that we started several months ago about the, um, the, the question, what is sin? And so um, each time that we went through there, we were in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, and now here we are in Romans chapter number 1. We always used uh, James chapter 4 verse 17 as our starting point. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, you in Romans chapter number uh, 1, you men that have been to the Bible study, you uh, kind of understand what I'm about to say because we've already been through this. Uh, but total, from the, the four passages that we will look at, uh, there are... I believe I'm right in this. I was trying to find it. Uh, there are 56 different named sins. And they're all in Paul's writings, believe it or not. Uh, they're in Romans. They're in Galatians. They're in 1 Corinthians 6. And then I believe it was uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 3, uh, if memory serves me right. But uh, this is one of the most in-depth uh, lists that we have here as well as over in the book of First Timothy. Uh, Paul lays out some things, but he lays them out a little bit differently in Romans than he did in the book of First Corinthians. And so um, I, I, will have, uh, I will have a lengthy introduction and a very quick message tonight. And so just bear with us this evening. We just read there in James chapter number 4, verse number 17. He says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So again, we reiterate the question, what is sin? Well, we're going to read lengthy tonight in Romans chapter number 1. We'll start reading verse number 16. The Apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. He says there in verse number 18, and I need you to pay close attention to verse 18, because that's where kind of this whole thing will start. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that, uh, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of Him from the creation, uh, creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are... What's it say? Without excuse. Okay. What's it say? Without excuse. All right. Just making sure. Your Bible says the same thing as mine. He goes on and he says in verse 21, Because that when they knew... Now, that he just said they were without excuse. And he's telling why they were without excuse. Here we go. Verse 21... Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like 
to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, I need you all to help me right here. Have you ever just been thinking about something, and it's probably on the negative side, but you... You, you remember some positive and you just get beside yourself. That's what's happening here to the Apostle Paul as he's writing. He is, he is laying out how wicked these people were. And he says there in verse 25, they changed the truth of God into a lie and they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. But then he realized that he was talking about God, realized he was talking about the creator of the world. He realized in the beginning, God, he realized what John wrote. In the beginning was the Word. And so he got beside himself and he said, The Creator, who is blessed forever, amen. That's one of those times that you amen your own self. You bless yourself right there. And so he says here in verse number 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, if I've... uh, if I read my, my little chicken scratch here, that's, that's not convenient. That's convenient to the world. That's con- not convenient to the flesh. These are things that didn't please the flesh. Verse 29, it says, "...being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters." Haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters of, boasters, excuse me, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, Before I get any further, I need us to really understand what verse 32 says. He said, these folks that God gave them up, and God gave them up, and then God gave them over. He says in verse 32 that they knew the judgment of God. And they knew that those that did those things, these things that we find in verse 29 and 30, those things that are in verse 24, 25, and 26, those things that are in verse 27 and 28, he said, they knew that those that did those things, they are worthy of death. But he said, even though they know that, they not only do those things, but they also have pleasure in the ones that do those things. That's why I can't condone certain things. I, I, did you hear me what I said? I can't condone certain things. My goodness, I could... 
I could start naming stuff. Paul's done a pretty good job at naming stuff, but it doesn't matter if it's lying, cheating, stealing, drinking, drug, laying around with this or that, or, or waving a rainbow flag, whatever it may be. If you start condoning sin, according to verse 32, you're guilty of the same. <clears throat> so, now let's get into the introduction. I don't know if this was mine or Brother David's, but I love both of us, so I'm going to drink it. We have studied the question, what is sin, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll not take time to go back and read those. But uh, there were 11 individual sins listed in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. And we have a, a, a myriad of sins that are listed here throughout the text that we read. But remember that there are 56 of these things that the Apostle Paul, and you could probably find several more, but at least in these four lists that we will look at, there are 56. And we're going to continue our study on this, what is God, here in these verses, specifically in verse 29 and verse number 30 and 31. But to understand this posture that Paul has here at the end of verse number, at the end of chapter number one, we really got to understand where he's even coming from. Very first verse that we read, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then all of a sudden he switches gears and he starts hammering everything. Well, why does he do that? Why is he doing that? Well, he, he says he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Verse 17 says, For therein, for in that gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, now, men that have been in the Bible study, I'm not trying to reteach the Bible study to the church, but we, we're going kind of line by line what we've done so far in the Bible study. He says that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, though, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And so verse number 18, essentially, uh, it opens a door to a courtroom scene. We're fixing to walk right into it. We've got a judge's bench. We've got a witness stand. We've got the jury of heavenly host. And uh, in this, Paul begins to state his case to men and women everywhere. Until we get over to the middle of chapter number 3 of the book of Romans, he's talking to and about sinners. And it doesn't matter who they are. Man, woman, boy, or girl, if they're without God, they are a sinner. I need y'all to help me tonight. If you're without God, I told the men last night at the Lost and Found, outside of Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. I know that's blunt for a Wednesday night, but that's true. If you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to hell. If you're trying to do it through through money or through going to church or through living a good life outside of Christ, you're going to hell. There's no two ways about it. And uh, so Paul is writing here in Romans chapter 1, and he gives us an entrance. He, he kind of rolls back the door, if you will, to this courtroom. And uh, in that, he begins to talk about the unrighteousness of God being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. 
And if there is ungodliness, God will show it to you. We, we're in our Bible study, we're in chapter number two, and I'll try not to get to any of that, but it, it basically says that these, and, and I think every Christian has probably wondered this before, um, what about that man maybe in Africa or maybe in some foreign country? Uh, they've never heard the gospel preached. Nobody's ever taken a Bible and shown them this. What is, what, what, is there any hope for that person? Yes, there is, and it's found in nature. Everything that, that we find here in the Scripture, everything that's taught in Scripture is taught in nature. Paul said there in 1 Corinthians, Doth not nature itself teach? And so uh, all these things, we, we see the sun. We have to wonder where did the sun come from. We, we see a rainbow in the cloud. We, want, we feel the rain fall down. We feel the heat, the cold. We wonder where it comes from. And with every people group in the world, you will find some sort of a heavenly direction. You will find that they are seeking for something. And it may go by many different names, but they're seeking God. The reason being, they've never heard the name God. They've never heard the name Christ. They've never heard that there was a man that died for their sin. But nature itself teaches them. Paul says that nature is a law unto itself. He went on to say, and he said, matter of fact, if they die outside of the law of Christ, they're still going to be judged by Christ and judged righteously. Y'all hear me tonight. We, we can go on. If y'all got questions, y'all can text me. Verse 24 begins God's judgment on mankind. Paul kind of is on the witness stand between verse 18 and verse 23. And he's, he's laying it all out there. But verse number 24, God begins to open up and he begins his judgment. Now, you'll notice a couple things. He says to to give up. He says this in verse number 24 and then in verse number 26. But then in verse number 28, he says God gave them over. And uh, if you look up the original language, you'll find that these are the same words. It's from the same word. It means the exact same thing. And it means to give up custody. Custody. It means to permit or to allow things to happen. But the difference between God giving them up in verse 24 and in verse 26 and then finally giving them over in verse number 28 is in what God allows. God allows some things in verse 24. He allows their vanity or their worship to be given to someone else. He allows their flesh to be dishonored. He reminds them in verse number 25 that they changed, uh, he says, or did I say, yeah, verse 25, they changed the truth of God into a lie. So he is allowing them to do some things there in verse between verse 24 and 25. But then he goes on and in verse 26, he allows them to work out to meet their own vile affections. Whatever they want to do, God allows them to do whatever they want to do. They've, they've already changed the truth of God into a lie. What God said is white, they say is black. What God said is good, they say is wrong. What God said is sin, they say, no, that's good. And so here, God is giving them up. He says, okay, you want to, you want to worship something? Go ahead. Go ahead. Mama, daddy, ever, you ever got on to your youngins 
and you've gotten on to them, gotten on to them, gotten on to them, and you finally say, fine, go ahead. Make the decision. Go ahead. What do they do? Most of the time, they make the wrong decision. Need some daddies to say amen right there. They make the wrong decision. They mess up. But what happens? They always come back to daddy. They always come back to mama. Hopefully, I say always, hopefully that's what they do. Well, that's God's intention here. He's in the courtroom. He's given them a little bit of leniency and He's given them up to some things. He does this twice. But finally, finally, in verse number 28, He gives them over. Again, this means to uh, um, to give up or to give up custody. custody. I don't know why I keep saying that word wrong. To permit or to allow. But listen to this. But God gave them over, but listen, to a reprobate mind. No longer is he allowing them to do the things that he, that they want to do with a leash and say, okay, you can go this far now, come back. Now he says, I'm giving you over to a reprobate mind, which means a castaway. Which means there's no coming back. You say, wait a minute now, are you talking about falling from grace? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I firmly believe that there are some Christians that have gone so far away from God. We talked about it maybe Sunday. They've had their conscience seared with a hot iron. And so they are, they are given over to a reprobate mind. They're still saved, but they're, they are going to be judged for that. But specifically here in chapter number 1, chapter 2, and half of chapter 3, he's talking about sinners. And so let's keep it in context. And he's saying there are some that never have believed in God, that they are so, um, they are such castaways that they will never come back. They will never come to God. I'm telling you, you can look, we can look in our government, we've got, and, and I don't follow the news, but we've got a woman that, Acts like a man. She's over the education of our of our children. We we have got um, oh goodness gracious. We we've got a mess. Is what we've got in our government. Even if even if it is a man and he's wearing a suit and tie, he's got a he's got another man at home waiting on him. Somebody help me right there. If I knew I wouldn't say his name wrong, I'd call his name out. We're in a mess, and it's because God's given them up. And God's given them up, but now God's given them over. Now these folks that we're we're weeping and we're crying over, oh God save them, oh God save them. God's like over there, where was it? Hosea chapter number four, verse number seven, verse number somewhere around there, chapter number four. Uh, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. He said, Don't don't be praying for them. And that's a hard pill to swallow in modern day Christianity. Don't be praying for them. They were given over to a reprobate mind. There was no turning back. So, here's the message. There's three sins that are listed here in Romans chapter 1 and in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. So, I guess you could call this kind of an introduction to Romans chapter 1. Uh, these three are unrighteousness, fornication, and covetousness. Now, I do, just for the sake of argument, need to turn over to chapter number 6 of 1 Corinthians and read you this so you can see the difference. Notice what he says here. 
Um, know you not that the unrighteous, did you hear that? Unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards. He goes on. So now we look back and we see our text. Let's look at verse 29. Being filled with all, they're turned over to a reprobate mind. They've, they're, God's given up, given them over to a reprobate mind. He said, now they are filled with all unrighteousness. There is a difference here in the word in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says the unrighteous. The unrighteous in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 is talking about the person. It's talking about the, the individual that has become unrighteous. But here in Romans chapter number 1, he is talking about the very sin, the very act of unrighteousness. And in this, uh, we see that it is, in 1 Corinthians, it is one that describes the state of the person or a description of that person, if you will. It is one that violates justice. It is one that is sinful. But now we see here in our text that this unrighteousness is the deed violating the law and justice. It is morally wrong. And God says that they are filled with all unrighteousness. If it can break the law, they're full of it. And they're doing it. They're breaking the law day in, day out. He says they're being filled with all unrighteousness. Then let's look at this next word. Now we'll go kind of out of, uh, occasionally we'll go out of order, but... Um, just for the sake of hitting these three duplicate words, we'll say it like this. Notice with me the next word, fornication. Now, I know y'all get tired of me harping on this. Seems like every time we've, we've preached about this or in this series, we go back to this fornication. But fornication is defined as illicit sexual intercourse. So now, now, now listen. First Corinthians, it said that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God that are fornicators. Again, this is the one that does the act. But now Paul is saying, not only are, are, am I talking about in Corinthians the one that does the act, now I'm saying that they are going to be filled with this act. They are going to be doing this, and listen, it's in churches. Fornication, this illicit sexual intercourse. It is any intercourse outside of marriage, before marriage or intra-marriage. Intra is while you are married, you are having intercourse with someone else. That's also called adultery, but it falls right in with fornication. Paul is is writing now, he's he's writing of the act of sin, not the person committing it. But he's tying it all together through his letters throughout the years. And he says these people that we find here in Romans chapter number 1, they've been given leniency twice. 
and they've rejected God. They've changed the truth of God into a lie. They have worshipped the creature more than the Creator. Now God gives them over to a reprobate mind and they are filled, he says, with fornication. This may not be relevant, but I, I still feel the need to, t- to... Every time I say this word, fornication, I think of, of the word pornea. And it is where we get the word pornography. And pornography is still rampant in churches today. With young folks, with old men, with married men, with single men. I'm going to throw you a curveball. And with women. fornication what is sin Paul says it's fornication this is the act of intercourse outside of marriage God's designed marriage that when a man and a woman come together and they consummate that marriage they become one bone of my bone Adam said flesh of my flesh God says you, you need to leave your father and mother and cleave unto your wife or unto your husband or yourself because they're one flesh. Jesus said in Matthew, what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So God's design for marriage even is being thwarted through sin. Let's look at the next next word. We see we're going to skip wickedness right now and, and go to the next word. It says covetousness. Again, if we were to look back in our previous text in First Corinthians chapter six, it says nor thieves, nor covetous. Again, that one that is coveting that describes the person. But here, Paul is describing the act. And this is the difference in Corinthians and Romans. But it's still defined very closely as a greedy desire to have more especially of someone else's possession. Paul says that God's given them over to a reprobate mind, and so now they are filled with covetousness. They're never satisfied. Never satisfied. There's a a lot more in in here, and these are the only three that we're going to do tonight. I told you the message wouldn't be long. There are so many people that we come in contact with that they they claim to be a Christian, but yet they are doing these things. They may come in as a visitor. They may attempt, and I need you all to help me right here, they may attempt to join the church, but they're living in sin. I said they may attempt to join the church, but they're living in sin. 
When I was a boy, when someone came forward for church membership, the church said, yes, we want to accept them under the watch care of the church. And that might take 45 years. You say, why would it take so long? Well, I'm just going to tell you, I've been in church a long time. And there's certain things that are preached that just makes folks mad. And so they want to come to join the church and then they skedaddle. And they go on for a while. And then they come back and they try to get some things right. And then they... Y'all feeling me tonight? But listen, as a church, as a body of Christ, let's, let's just, let's just use this as an example. I've never had an organ transplanted, but I've been around some folks that I've had. And I remember one, his name was Billy Ray. He was one of our truck drivers. He had to have a liver transplant. He looked jaundiced all the time. And, uh, he, he finally got the help that he needed. But before he could ever get this organ, from this other person. He had to get every bit of infection out of his body. And I remember him coming in and Brother Jody, he was his he was his mouth was really weird. I was like, what wrong? What's wrong with you, Billy Ray? Yeah, my, 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 my mouth hurt. I'm like, why? Somebody jacked your jaw or something? He said, Man, I just come from a dentist. He said, before they'll ever let me get this liver, they had to make sure to get all the plaque. All of the stuff out of my teeth. He said they went all the way to the root of my teeth and scraped. He said, my mouth is so sore. He said they put him on antibiotics to make sure that all infection was gone out. Do you know what? That liver that he was about to get, if it was already eat up with cirrhosis, they weren't going to give it to him. There'd be no reason. It had to pass the test. It had to, the checks had to been marked. This is a healthy liver. There's no trauma to it. There's no disease to it. There's no infection to it. And at that point, now the receiving body is pure. Y'all better hear me now. Christ makes His body pure. He gives the blood of Christ so that when We sin, He can forgive us and wash us clean. So He keeps His body pure. But before He accepts someone else into the body, it got to be clean. Now the thing is, there's two different things here. Rachel, salvation. Salvation. You can be dirty, filthy, wretched, whatever. Immediately, Christ makes you clean. But the thing about coming into the body of Christ as a, as a member of a church, you must also be clean. Not perfect, but clean. You must check the boxes. Well, who is to judge? Well, we could get into that if you want to. But I believe I've made it pretty clear. You're under the watch care of the church. You're under a microscope to make sure you're Walking right and talking right and doing the right thing. Going to the right places. No, we're not gonna, we're not gonna come over to your house with a, with a, a test and say, do you, do you check all these boxes? No, we're not. But, you have to be living right. 
I don't really know why I even said that. I wish somebody... It wasn't because of you, Leah. I promise. <laughs> Leah asked the other day, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. Leah asked the other day about joining the church. It ain't because of Leah, I promise. <laughs> she lives with me. I know she lives pretty, pretty good. Tanya, do you have any idea why I'm saying that? I have no idea? I, well, I just take it on the cheek. Somebody need to hear it tonight. Maybe it was me. I don't know. But this covetousness, this fornication, this, what was the, what was the first one? Unrighteousness. Those are things that need not be a part of the body of Christ. Need not be a part of a Christian. If a Christian is guilty of any of these, honey, get down on your knees and ask for forgiveness. And it can, it can happen just like that. God can give you forgiveness just like that. He can make you clean just like that. But here's the thing. You're still living in the flesh. You still got to get out of those places you've been going. You, you still got to get out of those books you're reading, or those magazines, those websites that you're visiting. You got to quit saying those words that you're saying. You got to, you got to stay in the book. You got to, and, and the book I'm talking about is in Him. Last night we, we talked a little bit about that. Thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. There's a lot of Christians today that are walking around in the darkness because they ain't got enough word in them to light up the path they're supposed to be going in. Let's stand. <clears throat> I do ask you, if you will, take the message home with you tonight. And uh, just, if the Lord spoke to you, do business with Him. If the Lord spoke to you, do business with Him. Don't be afraid to go to God. He knows your heart anyway. But what is sin? Paul laid it out in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and here he is again. He's laying it out in Romans chapter 1. And he's doing it in such a way now that this is, remember, chapter 18, it opened the doors to a courtroom. And God is now, from verse 24 down through the end of this thing, God is saying, here's sin. This is sin. 